Hello. Thank you for joining us today for the Harvest Time Church weekly podcast. As you listen today, we pray that you are richly blessed and that the message would guide you deeper into your walk with Jesus and help you to advance His kingdom here on earth. Have a blessed day. You know, it's super important, guys, to just see our kiddos as a gift. You know, they, they really are that. You know, when we look at it, we get past the frustration or the stress or the, uh, the involvement in decorating our home with chaos. You know, they're just a blessing. Um, today is week two of looking at our vision 2020, just some of the plans that God has for us. Uh, for this year. Uh, I, I believe at the beginning of the year, it's super important that, that you know my heart, that I share my heart with you, and you guys know what direction we're going as I get the direction that we are going. Uh, I believe that God leads his people. He leads through authority within the church, and when we seek him and ask him for counsel and guidance, he does not he does not not reveal that to us. He shows us what to do. Uh, I, I said last week that What I know now, I did not know six months ago because at that moment, God wanted me to focus on what was here and now rather than where we are today. But right now, we are in need of vision going forward. We need to to polish what we're doing. We need to continue to progress forward. So this morning, I really want to start by recommunicating our vision and mission statement. I did share that last week. Uh, If you missed the first week, we do have podcasts available. You can go to our website, and that's uploaded. You can also go to our podcast uh, through the the iPhone app or an Android and look up Harvest Time Church. You'll see our logo, and you can keep up like that. So if you miss a week, you don't necessarily miss it. You just miss the fellowship, okay? Sometimes the fellowship may be better than the word. Maybe it's like, uh, do I answer that? We want you to have both guys. We don't want you to just have the word without the fellowship. So when we look at the vision here at Harvest Time Church, Harvest Time Church is to be a home. So we talked about how we adjusted that a little bit on the front of your bulletin. It has always been there. We just haven't really always focused on it. So when we say a home, that's the acronym for a heart to serve. First and foremost, we want people that have a heart to serve. You're like, well, Noe, what does that mean? What does that mean? Serve. That means doing whatever it takes, being willing to uh, serve, because we have to understand that Christ served, therefore, as his followers, we should have the heart also to serve in some capacity. You say, well, what, man, if, are you saying I'm going to have to do things that I don't want to do? At some time, maybe. But our ultimate goal is not to make you serve in a place that you are not built for, but finding how God has gifted you specifically and plug you into that area of serving, if you don't like people, if you, aren't, if you aren't a little bit friendly and you just, you're like, man, I want to work on a project by myself. I'm really introverted. You have all of these things going against you. I probably will never put you on our greeter team. Or if I do, we're going to figure out real quick that wasn't the place for you. Right? You know, we want to plug people into the, into the area where they, where they serve the best. But ultimately, we need to have a heart to serve, guys. That, that, is, that, can, that can really... Uh, align you to be blessed, to be satisfied, and to be a part of the local body because we believe by design that's what God wants. He wants you being a part of something bigger than yourself, and that's why he built the church, guys. So a heart to serve. The second thing, open arms. When I say open arms, that means we open up our church to anyone. What if they don't look like a Christian? Everyone. What if I'm not comfortable with them? Everyone. Because you probably didn't look so good initially yourself. 
you just figured out what it looked like to look acceptable, right? But we know that God looks at the heart and we want to be welcoming of every person from every background, from every walks of life. And, and, and give them the opportunity to, to receive exactly what we've received, only by the grace of God. Thirdly, mission-minded. So this talks about the commission. You know, that there is a mission. There is something for us to accomplish. Next week, we're going to look at that, what, it, what the commission of our lives is, what we are supposed to do in this life. How many of you guys, if you had a roadmap from beginning to end of what your life should look like, you would read it? You would read it, right? Have you all read this book? It is a roadmap to life. It shows us what we should be doing, what we should not be doing, where we should, where we should be investing our resources and where we are actually wasting our time because we've adapted this culture and this mindset of what church is supposed to look like. So this, this mission-minded, it is thinking outside the four walls of the church. It's thinking beyond just my comfort. But what has God actually asked us to do? And does the church reflect that? You know, we're not about just, hey, man, we had a great time. It was a great service. God really touched me. I go home. I'll see you next week. And that's the extent of our Christian lives. This should just be a byproduct when we gather together of what we should be living as a lifestyle Monday through Saturday. We should be living life throughout the week. And then we come together and we celebrate the victories that we're having throughout the week. Not just the victories we're having on Sundays. It's a culture shift, guys. All right. Also, we added a little bit. We adjusted this one, equip and empower. So we want to equip you, but we also want to empower you. What good would it be for us to equip you to do a job and say, ah, we know you're equipped, but we're not going to empower you to do anything. So we added empower because we think that that is going to be a big nugget of success this year to say, hey, you're equipped. You are ready. You've been in every class. You've been in church every week. Now be empowered. Right. That's what it's all about what we're doing, what we're being. So that is, our, that is our heart at Harvest Time Church is to be a home, heart of a servant, open arms, missions, mission-minded, and equip and empower. Also, our mission, this is brand new. If you've never heard this, this is something we're gonna continue to talk about every single week, but it's bringing all people into a real relationship with Christ by knowing, growing, and going towards God's given purpose. Those three things. So look at those three, say those three things with me. Knowing, Growing and going. You say, so what is Harvest Time's mission all about? Knowing, growing, and going. So we think of those sim that simple phrase. It covers everything. First and foremost, we want you knowing Christ. If you don't know Christ, we have failed miserably as the church, and it wouldn't do you any good to do anything else apart from relationship with Christ. Once you come to an understanding of who Christ is, we want you to grow. We believe that a healthy church will, will have growth. A dying church may not experience growth. Now, guys, I don't want us to just focus on that based on numbers, based on the number of events, but we are talking about spiritual maturity. Are we seeing people who are being raised up, you know, with, with the word of God, but we're seeing lives transformed by the word of God? Sometimes we come to the knowledge of Christ and there's still a lot of habits, there's still a lot of things that we still got to deal with. Just because we're saved doesn't mean we hadn't been cleaned off and purified yet. So when we talk about growing, that is the process in which God begins to change us to look more Christ-like. And that should be happening over, the over your lifetime. It, sometimes it happens really quick and we see people get delivered from stuff, you know, people that have been addicted to alcohol, pornography, whatever it may be. Immediately by the power of God, there is an empowering by the power of God that completely loose, looses those chains off of your life.
But sometimes it's those little things, being lazy, maybe watching too much TV and not reading enough Bible, not fellowship with others, but living a life isolated. Like I'm talking about other things that, you know, God deals with us. He, his, his power impacts us in mighty ways. But, you know, it is this continual growing process of cultivating what's good for my life, what's not good for my life, what do I need to be re- removed from my life, and what do I need to do uh, as far as growth Okay. And then lastly, going. Now, what has God called you to? What what is your purpose? What is where you, where has God uh, gifted you to impact? Okay. So knowing, growing, and going. That is our mission here at the church, and we want to be a home. So the mission and vision of the church should not only define who we are and what we do, but it should drive the culture of our church community. So today we're going to look at community. That's the word that I really want us to focus on. What is community? Because I believe community is a big area that God wants us to grow in this year. When I talk about community, that is more than just Sunday mornings. So what I really want us to focus on, what type of community are we establishing outside the four walls of the church, not on a Sunday and not on a Wednesday? And some of you say, well, wait a minute. That's the only community that I have with the church. That's what I want to talk about this morning, is I believe that there's more to living life together in a community than just the scheduled services, okay? So when we continually, we will continually visit our mission and our vision uh, because, you know, it is what the, it's the framework for the church. It's what, it's, it's what drives the culture, Okay, and guides us in the direction we should go. So our mission and vision will always dictate what we will and won't do. You know, we got to realize that, you know, that that doesn't just tell us what we will do, but it will also explain to us what we won't do. We have to have an understanding of where are we going to invest our time and where do we feel like it would be wasteful of our time. We have to evaluate things like that. Okay, so we function as a home and we live as a family. So the statement of we are a family was the primary focus last year. We wanted the church to function as a family. When you function in a family, you have to understand that everybody plays a role. It doesn't matter how old you are. Like even in my family dynamic, I'm the husband. My wife is the wife. You know, Samuel, he's the garbage guy. He's the go pick up the newspaper guy. Right now he's right on there like saying, dad, can you buy me a push mower so I can cut the grass? have a zero turn in the, in the garage. And my wife's like, are you going to get him one? I was like, well, I guess for the sake of building work ethic. And I don't know where I'm going to put the lawnmower. I will never use that push mower, I promise. <laughs> it's just to me, it, it makes no sense. But for him, you know, he ha- as he gets older, there is a different responsibility that he plays. He gets mad at me all the time. Dad, why do I have to do that? Because you're older, son, and I should not treat you like, you're, like my four-year-old. He's nine. So as you, as you mature, as you get older, the expectation changes. We homeschool our kids. He, is so, he gets so frustrated. He looks at Cassidy's work, who is a six-year-old, and he's a nine-year-old. He asked me, Dad, why does she get to do that easy math? And I was like, you used to do that easy math. It would make absolutely no sense for you to keep doing elementary math when you are growing to be an adult. Everybody has a role, but it is specific to the place where you're at. But if we have this progression of knowing who Christ is and then growing to be more Christ-like and then going in what we're called to be, you should be more productive in your Christian walk and you should be able to know specifically what God has called you to. Now, I know that's a hard thing because, I, you know, I think our whole lives we figure out, we ask that question, what is God calling me to do? What is he calling me to be? And, you know, I think... 
one of the best ways for you to figure that out is serve somewhere. When people don't know specifically what they're called to do or what they want to do, serve somewhere. And know that our leadership team and me as a pastor, I'm going to evaluate that. If you don't like it or you're just like, you know, man, this is, I'll do it because I need to do it, but I'm miserable doing it. We have that sometimes, you know, I have some that says, man, I will work, I will do this, I will do this, please, please, God, don't put me with the nursery. That's not my gifting, but man, I need workers in the house, I need craftsmen, I need guys that can do everything. things, and I believe that God is raising people that can minister to our children. And one thing I want to encourage you guys, that we cannot, because we are raising our children, forsake our children. And just wait on the few to really invest, man, you know, you have to understand, moms, y'all are the best. And you're like, yeah, but I need a breather. All of us do. So let me tell you something. If all of us serve, it makes the light, it makes the load light for everyone. What if nobody says they want to serve? I don't know, nobody wants to serve, but only Tiffany wants to serve. In about two weeks, Tiffany's gonna be pulling her hair out and say, You gotta get me out of this ministry. I'm about to die. But we have to understand that God has gifted us with certain abilities and skills, and we want you guys serving in some capacity because I believe that when we serve, we figure out where we are supposed to serve rather than just sitting in the pew and saying, I don't know where to serve at. You know, I've had had a few couples, you know, that really have asked me, you know, specifically and said, hey, man, if you need me to serve anywhere, I'll do it. And I had the opportunity to actually plug them into an area of ministry, and they served in that area. They said, if that's what you need me to do, we'll do it. And I believe that is the heart of God. But everybody plays a different role. Guys, we're not going to, the other thing I don't want to do, I don't want to set you up for failure. I'm not going to put you in a configuration where you are going to fail miserably. That is not how we want to learn and grow as people of Christ. We want to put you in a, in a place where you can succeed and you can thrive and you can partner with another leader and you can do well. You can learn, you can be mentored, you can be discipled, you can grow to be all that God has called you to be. So know that also, I'm never going to feed you to the wolves and say, man, look, you'd mess that up. We're going to do it in a way that breeds success and sets you up for success, not failure. I know if I talk with you, I can probably just ask you a few questions and figure out the direction that we can steer you as far as opportunities to be a part. So we have to understand, you know, a fa- you know our family dynamics, you know, that everyone plays a part You know, so family dynamic, it will affect every area of your life. So family defines our values, our priorities, our structures, and our thought processes of what we see as important. How many of you know that? How many Texans fans we got in the house? Are you a Texans fan because your parents were a Texans fan, or you just decided to pick that team? Parents made me. That's what it's It's like. You know, I'm a Cowboys fan, so we're just humbly watching the Texans play out the season because I'm a Texan at heart. I live in Texas, you know, so my boys didn't make it, so we're going to become a Texans fan for the rest of the season and hope they go all the way. But in my house, we're a Cowboys fan. Well, I let my son go stay the night at some friend's house for a week where they're a Green Bay Packers fan. He came back, Dad, I'm a cheesehead. I said, no, you're not, son. (laughs) Packers and the Eagles, we just don't play well when you're a Cowboys fan. I mean, so you see how, but how, you know, it's it's a joke, but how family dynamics influence what our kids, what are, you know, what we see as interesting, what we think is cool, what what we root for, what we like. 
you know, if I'm all excited about football or baseball, man, my kids, they don't know nothing about it. Hey, you know, we'll be watching baseball. They'll hit a home run. Hey, they made a touchdown, dad, right? Yeah, baby, but it's actually called a home run, you know, just but they're excited about what we are excited about. So that family uh, culture affects our families, but it affects our life. So we're talking about just fun things, but let's talk about spiritual things. If, if we are praying before meals and we're doing devotions and we're asking our kids hard scriptural questions, it's going to promote a way of thinking that is different, but it's cultivated in a way to promote growth. That culture dynamic of our family affects everything. So just like church culture affects church life, family culture affects family life. So Jeremiah 29, 11 through 13. You guys have all heard this passage, but it says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you a hope and a future. Then you will call on me and, and come and pray to me, and I will listen. Verse 13, it says, You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So we have to understand that each and every one of us must decide individually to pursue God. I cannot not ask my children to pursue God if I'm not pursuing God myself and reflecting that within the home. I can't do that, but each of us has to decide. There's a book called The, the God Catchers, and, and it has this, has this statement. This is like the DNA of the whole book. It says, God doesn't hide himself from you so that he can't be found. He hides himself from you so that he can be found. So if we look at that passage, what does it say in verse 13? It says, you will seek me and find me. That is a game of hide and seek. If God always exposed himself easily, we would never have to seek him out. But I think it's intentional. God wants to be pursued. When we pursue God, we will find him. And what does that passage say? When we seek him with what? All of your heart. That's the difference, all of your heart. It's very intentional. It is all of your being that you are pursuing him individually. So community in the life of the church is very important. Community is, de is developed by being together, pursuing God, because we desire him with all of our hearts. We have to understand that each of us are pursuing God independently, but then community really, really happens when we are all pursuing him Togetherwise, in a community, a community of believers. It changes everything. Community is developed by being together, pursuing God, because we desire Him with all of our hearts. So the family life is the dynamic of, of community that has to be pursued and established. Okay, so family life is where the dynamic of community has to be pursued or established. So community focuses on the relationship we have with other believers outside the four walls of the church. That's what I want to focus on today because I'm not saying we don't have community right now, like that we are not in a community of believers, but the focus that I want us to really be challenging is our community outside the four walls of the church. You know, so we have to understand that fellowship and community will always go hand in hand. If you don't like fellowship, you're probably not going to like community. If you don't like fellowship, you will probably not build community. I don't like people. I hate, you know, I've, I've read all of these studies about the meet and greet times. Man, some people love it. Some people hate it. Some people sit there and say, oh, I hope nobody comes and talks to me. Others, man, they're over here and they're over here on this side. And it's like, man, go, we got to get back, get back to your seat. We're trying to start, you know, like you, ha you have these, you have these two extremes, but I believe at least pursuing community and pursuing fellowship is better than passively hoping it will happen. 
because it never will, guys. So we have to understand where, where family life connects church life. So let me give you an example. When I was in Dallas, I was at a new church with new people, a church I had never been to, a new school I had never been to. And man, it was such a challenging time because I had grown up always going to the same church that I had always been at. I didn't know what to do. I was praying, you know, in Dallas, there's about a million and a half churches you can go to. So it just so happened they had a job fair or like a church fair where all these churches from all the neighborhoods came and, you know, they told them what they were all about. And I visited a church and man, it just felt like the right place. And I, I was thinking about this, like, there's no way that this is the right church, the first place I go to, because I'm like, there's a million and a half churches. Shouldn't I try other churches? And I just felt God say, no, go back again. Well, that next Sunday, the pastor called me by my name. And I was like, he's like, hey, Noe, good to see you again this week. And I was like, man, what in the world? This is crazy. Because I was like, who the heck am I? Guy from Bay City, Texas, going to school in Dallas. You know, I wasn't like, whatever cool factor you had, it's diluted when you go to Dallas. There's just no, there's so many people, so many churches. Who is this guy? You know, and I just felt like I was at the right place at the right time. And God began to expedite the fellowship and the community. And they welcomed me into that. We had a couple in the church that, man, they were like my grandparents, man. They, anything I needed, and some of you guys, if you already heard the story, sorry, but uh, Grand Prairie, you know, is where we, we live. So it's kind of right in the middle. If you, if you split Dallas and Fort Worth, it's this huge kind of ovally, like two, diff two different cities all the way split apart. And I was needing to go from one side to the other. Well, this is what I'm talking about, fellowship, community, really feeling like I had a family dynamic within that church. I needed to go from one side to the other, but I didn't have time to get there. So I called these individuals and said, hey, do you mind if I swing by, I take a shower and then go the other way or I'm going to be late to work? How many know that's a different kind of comfort zone? <laughs> hey, Pastor Noe, can I use your shower? Uh, I guess. Like, <laughs> nobody's ever called me and asked that. <laughs> Would I be willing? Absolutely. But that's a whole other level of comfort, right? It's like, uh... Yeah, I can't tell you no. Can you tell me no? Can you tell that? Could you tell somebody no? Like, yeah, I don't know. But they said, absolutely. They said, when you're done, you said, hey, with all the soaps there, leave the towel on the floor. We'll take care of it. And that was like a mama's house. She didn't even tell me to put it up, put it in the dirt. Just leave it there. It'll just pick itself up. So what I'm talking about, at that church, they built a community that was genuine, that was tested, and it was available. I really felt like I had relationships, guys, in that church that there was nothing that I could ask that was off the table. How many of you sometimes it's hard to ask for help in the church? Man, I feel like it's going to be inconvenient. I can't, man, that's asking too much. You can't do that for me. This is the kind of culture and community that God wants the house to be established under. That there is nothing that you can't ask. There's nothing that you can't uh, that you feel awkward about asking. So here's a few questions to help clarify this. So do we spend time with church members outside of church? Do we have people over to our homes? Do we participate in building community? So that doesn't mean like, well, I'm waiting for somebody to invite me over or like to hang out with me. No, are you pursuing other people? Are you building community? Are you just passively like we're all sitting here like a whole bunch of bricks just waiting, saying, well, I want to build this great thing. I want to build this community, but I'm just a brick and I can't do anything and I'm not actively doing anything. You're just sitting there. Do you see your life as a, you know, just a brick by itself doesn't do anything. But stacked on top of each other with mortar all in the middle accomplishes a great purpose. But it requires us getting close, getting that goopy tar, you know, whatever, whatever we're putting, to, we're sticking each other together with. 
And that means people are in your space. They're rubbing you the wrong way. Maybe you're not leveled. Maybe it's not right. And you got, you got, they're all up in your personal space. And how many of you know once that sets up, man, you stuck. It's like, man, I wish I wasn't in this configuration. But you have to understand that God has orchestrated the church in a way where he puts you where you need to be every single time. Man, why am I by this person? God has a purpose for it. But are you participating in building community? Are you just sitting there isolated, idle, not being a part of the big picture? So do we know when a church family member is going through something? You know, are we paying attention? Are we checking on each other? Do we realize when somebody's not here on a Sunday and we reach out and say, hey, man, is everything cool? I know she hadn't been here in two weeks. You know, I, I, you know that was one, uh, one, one guide that I gave some of my life group leaders about uh, following up with people. I said, well, you know, if you, they miss once, it's okay. Like, I mean, they don't have, you don't have to be here every Sunday. If they miss two weeks and you don't hear from them, just reach out to them in love, not saying, hey, where were you? But hey, are you okay? Like, what's going on? We noticed you weren't here. I always had, you know, initially I, I had to work through that because I felt like, man, if I call people or I pursue people when they're not here, are they seeing me just as the bad guy pastor that's making sure people are sitting in the chairs? I said, well, some may, but I hope they see my heart that I'm genuinely concerned of where they're at or what's going on. Or is everything okay? Our leadership team, sometimes we look at a list, like our members list and like, you know, and then sometimes, you know, if you've been coming on a regular basis, we notice you're here and I pray to God we notice when you're not. If you went on vacation or you needed, you know, what something happened, I mean, that's, that's fine. You know, I think life happens, but I want to notice when our community has people missing. I don't want it to be like, man, I was going through this and this and this and nobody called me. Nobody noticed I was gone and my life was falling apart. I didn't have anybody. And it's like nobody would know that. We want to build a type of community where everyone is paying attention to the person to your left, to the person to your right. When I tell you what, like if you have a full brick wall and we remove a brick, you're going to notice or we should notice. But some of us are so self-focused, we don't ever stand back and look at the big picture. So community is something that we need to be actively involved in. Acts 2.46, it says that every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and they ate together with glad and sincere hearts. So this passage, I really believe, is the formula for community. It says every single day they met together. They broke bread in their homes so what breaking bread in your homes, in this reference, it is talking about communion. It is not talking about eating because it says they broke bread in their homes and they ate. Okay, we got to see that both of those things happen. They ate together with glad and sincere hearts. And then it goes on to say, and the Lord added to their, to their numbers greatly. There's a whole, but if you read that whole little passage in Acts, there is just so much community there. Are you hanging out with people every single day? Hope not. They might get tired of you. Right? You know, but they, they met every single day they were together. You have to really work to like the people around you if you're meeting with them every single day. Can you imagine that? Every single day you're coming to church. It's like, man, that would really weed out a lot of my other priorities. Maybe some of that is the point. Is this church community really the priority? You know, are we guarding church functions over all these hobby things that we do? I'll tell you, with my kiddos, man, there's some things that, you know, if there's church priority, extracurriculars kind of have to go to the wayside. I know we fight, my wife and I, a little bit because I don't want my kids quitting, 
I don't want them completing things. I don't want them to think like, oh, you know, well, we can just do whatever we want. We don't have to commit to anything. I don't want them to see that. I want them to know that church and God and fellowship and community and what we do is the priority every single time. And I'm not doing this, guys, just when all of a sudden I became a pastor and now I'm setting this higher bar. This is how I've always tried to live life, guys. It just so happens now I'm a pastor with the same values, the same responsibilities, the same, it's the same thing. I'm still raising my kiddos in a way that, that I think always models that. But coming together every day, they ate together, they had people in their home. So this is the formula for community. So we have to allow and invite people into our lives. So to connect with people and build community, we each have to be intentional about it. I bet there's at least two of you here that have either thought in the past few weeks, hey, we should have somebody over, or we should invite somebody out to lunch. And there's another couple here at the same time saying the exact same thing. But if you both sit there and do nothing about it, you'll never have anybody over and you'll never interact with anyone. I promise. You know, I, you know it's like, you know, we try, me and my wife try to pick a day that we're going to have people over. Right. But we have to be intentional. You can't just say, well, you know, I, I think so. I think sometimes we beg we beg for wanting to have community. Maybe you're sitting around, you're kind of not getting out of your hurry and say, man, I wonder if somebody wants to go lunch with me. Because ultimately, guys, we are really that desperate for community, but we don't realize it. Now, some of us pursue it. And I think that it has to be something that is intentionally sought after for it to be healthy. If you're waiting and I'm waiting and we're both waiting, ain't everything, anything ever going to happen. We're just going to sit there and just be like, well, it sure would be nice, but nobody's asking. Well, it's a two-way street, guys. We have to be intentional about it. I know that you can be a family and still be disconnected. Just because you're around each other doesn't necessarily mean that you are connected and engaged in the lives of others. Um, you know, in a home, you can just be roommates, guys. Or you're just coming and going. I used to work shift work, and it was like, hey, boss, see you after my four days of work. Or, hey, you know, like, see you on my seven off. And it was just a coming and going. My wife would come, and then I would go, and I'd sleep. And, you know, I don't think my kids knew when the heck I was in the room and when I wasn't. I'd be sleeping, you know, or they'd ask, Dad, why are you sleeping all day? And I was like, man, this is just the cycle of it. But, you know, where we were just sharing a home, and we weren't ever connecting relationally. Okay, so we can be living together, you know, but we, we may not be connecting. We may not be building a community. There's no connection. So the definition of community is a group of people sharing a common interest relating together socially. So community requires connection with other people. Okay, so when we look at the reason why we, com uh, we why community is so important, let's, let's wrap this around this passage. John 13, 34 through 35. I had, a, I had a book on the table this week that said the 11th commandment. It totally messed my son up. It said the 11th commandment. He's like, Dad, there's no 11th. Like, he's like, what are you doing? There's no 11th commandment. Well, in the New Testament, God gives us two new commandments. He says, love God and love people. So when we look at this passage, this is how he references. I give you a new command. So if I say a new one, this is, this is additional to the, to the 10 that he already gave you in the Old Testament. That's what he was talking about. In verse 34, he says, a new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. Verse 35, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So if we break down this passage, Jesus issued three things. He issued a declaration. He issued a design and he issued a distinction, 
Okay? So the declaration was to what? Love one another. The design was as he had loved. Love as I have loved you. And the distinction was that your love, uh, your love for others will be a distinguishing mark of God on your life. So you will be known by your love for one another. Okay, so how can we love others and not have community with each other? It's impossible, right? In order to fulfill this commandment to love others, you have to be around people. Right? You can't say, well, I love these guys and I'm never associated with them. I'm never around them. Come on. You have to be around people to actively love people. Okay? Have you any of y'all say, well, I love them, but I don't want to be around them? Try that. <laughs> to practice all of these one another's of loving others, forgiving one another's, be hospitable to one another. All of these one another's require the other person being involved in the realm of your life. And when we have community, you will be in association with other believers. It'll be all around it. People will have to be around you. So we have to know from the very beginning, God established relationship because, uh, because it was essential to our lives. God said in Genesis, it is not good for man to be alone. So we have to look at the, the configuration that man was in when God declared that. God and man had fellowship with each other, but he still addressed the need for man needing a companion with flesh on. Can you imagine that? Like, I mean, I would think every single need, if it's just me and God walking through the Garden of Eden in the cool of the day, and he's sharing his heart, I'm sharing my heart, and we're just like, man, having a great time, I would almost say, man, I don't need anything else. But God knew it would be better to have a helpmate. So he created a woman, right? You know, so, someone with flesh on. So I believe that even, and even in marriage, there is still that need for men to have fellowship with men and women to have fellowship with other women. You know why? So that the wife doesn't hate the husband and the husband doesn't hate the wife because the, the guys and the girls will keep you straight. Man, my wife, she'd, hey, remember, God gave her to you. You still love her, right? I do, but she's driving me, you know, keep you, know, keep you in check to just continue to pursue those things health-wise. All right, it's important. We need other people in our lives. You know I, know, I know single life is sometimes the be best seasons of your life. You can do so many things unhindered. But I think even in that single time, it's good to have relationship. It's good to have community. So reflecting back on community, I want us to remove our time that we spend during scheduled services. So how much time do we spend with each other outside of church functions? I think most of us will realize that maybe we're not spending as much time with each other outside of these services as we think. Though some of you may be, I'm not saying that we don't, but I believe that this is an area where there is always room for improvement. Okay? So many times our homes will reflect who we are. Um, that, that's, you know, people see the real us, and, and it's very evident that, that many of us don't have it all together if people see our home. I am a testimony to that. If you, and I've told, told you guys this more than once. If you come over to my home unannounced, it, it could be chaos. If I know you're coming, it might look a little of organized chaos. But you said, just because I'm a pastor doesn't mean that the home is perfect. And my wife doesn't get on my nerves and she doesn't yell at me and I don't yell back. Like this is not, you know, it's, 
you see the real us when you're welcomed into somebody's home. And I think some of us are scared of that. Well, I don't want people to see me for who I really am. And if I open the doors of my home, they'll see a reflection of my chaotic life and they won't love me anymore. How many of you have ever been in a relationship with somebody that was hard to love or hard to get along with? Did you stick it out or you, you abandoned ship? You said, man, that's too much work. You know, I think sometimes it's worth, worth putting that time in, right? You know, so I think sometimes, you know, we see flaws in people's lives. Have you ever seen flaws in somebody's life and you choose to, choose to love them past that? And every man and woman who's married said, amen. <laughs> Just don't tell your wife that. Say, oh, I love them flaws, baby. That's why I married you. <laughs> but lo love looks past all of those things. You know, I, I know with my children, I reference them a lot, but, you know, uh, I'm constantly working on helping them get along with each other. I don't know if you have kids all at the same age, you know, just getting them to just get along. My children poke, they annoy, they, they're downright mean to each other, you know, and sometimes, you know, at the root of it, it's because that's who they are. They're, they're not being considerate of one another and they're concerned or with respecting the other person. They are selfish to the core. I see it in them, and they, I mean, it's just, it's just huge throwdown between the three of them, okay? So we got we to gotta realize that selfishness will always limit the quality of your relationship because it focuses on meeting the needs of yourself versus the needs of the other person. This applies to every single person in the room, married or not, single, young or old. Selfish will ruin, selfishness will ruin everything. Because I would see, man, half, half of my kids' conflict, if it was just like Grace wanted something, Samuel said no, pushed Cassidy over just because he was walking by her, and then, you know, and Grace is crying. If he would have said, yeah, you can play with my tablet, man, it would have fixed everything. But he's selfish. He doesn't want to share it. And therefore, I got this whole huge ruckus in my house. It's, the Kano house is not always all together, guys. We're living out this life of walking through life, figuring it out just like everybody else. But we need community because, you know what, there are, there are families in this room that have went through this stage that I'm at. And if I get to the point of ever wanting to pull my hair out or I ever want to quit, I can make a few phone calls and some guys will give me some good godly counsel to help me. Now, they may laugh at me at first because, like, yeah, I survived it too. But they can give us grace and they can help us and we can co-labor together as a community. I don't think that the strategy is, is absent of the community in whatever we deal with. Somebody has the wisdom or somebody has the expertise. I think that's why we need everybody, from the youngest to the oldest. The youngest keep us humble and dependent on the Lord. And I think that the, the elders keep us anchored and established because they're just steady, consistent, you know. They, they, they've spent enough time figuring out what's important, what to stress over, and what not to. I know when you're young, sometimes it's like, man, you worry about all kinds of stuff. You know, different priorities, different times of your life, different things change. You know, life is continually changing. And I think it's healthy to be in community to get through those seasons. So Jesus focused on this passage was, was, was love one another. And when we, love, when we have love for one another, it's evident 
by other people. And it says that your love for one another happened. When this happens, you will be seen as his disciples. You will be known by your love for one another or your lack thereof. If we do not have love for one another, do you think we'll be seen as people of God? Or the crazy church that nobody can get along. And it's like that church is all kinds of messed up. Right? You know, think about it. I mean, I've been in church long enough. I've seen good, bad, and ugly. I'm a pastor now, and I've, now I've seen good or better and uglier. Like, it's, it's, got, it's gotten more. I've, I've seen more than I've ever seen. But I know that God is the part. Our love for one another is what allows us to, to arise above anything that attacks or that causes one to fall or, or distracts one. That the love of God and the love for people will work out every single detail. Proverbs 18, 24 in the New King James Version, it says, A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend that stays closer than a brother. Proverbs 17, 17, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for adversity. You know, God has blessed me, man, with people around my life that encourage me. You know, that was one of the biggest things uh, when the church was going through transition. Man, me and Bobby were really, really close. And I walked with Bobby for a long time. And then when everything changed, I said, Lord, I walked with him, but Lord, who's walking with me? And it was a part that, of me that was like broken a little bit, but fearful because I knew that the journey ahead would be difficult. But God has established men around my life that check on me. And they're concerned about my life, not like, hey, not a minute, forget ministry. How are you? I'll try to take it back to ministry. And then they'll ask me, say, well, no, I'm not, I'm not talking about me. how are you? Man, getting personal, and I gotta be real, and I gotta, man, it's not so good. Or, you know, like I'm overwhelmed with this, and it's just like, blah, you know, like I just, we each have to have that, guys. But a brother is born for adversity. What does that mean? The people to your left and the people to your right. We're built for war, guys. But the victory is ours. We have to realize that we are made to carry one another's burdens. We're never were meant to carry our burdens alone. He has built a community of believers that will meet every single need. So God has built us with the need for one another and to live in community with each other. We will never be all that God has called us to be by ourselves. It'll never, ever happen. Say, so, well, if I just read my word by myself, if I worship by myself, if I, if I just, you know, if, if I do me and I do what I need to do, I'm going to make it. No, you're not. Iron has to sharpen iron. You got to have a catalyst that is at least equal to your, where you're at. You need to have people in your life that are more mature than you are and challenge you. You got to have people that, man, when you're kind of getting skewed on your doctrine, they call you out and say, well, say, so where's that in the Bible? Oh, well, uh, I'll go find it. Good luck if it's not doctrinal. You'll never find it. We want to challenge each other so that what we can what? Grow. Why does it matter that we grow? So then we can go and do all that God has called us to. We're going to look at four things really quick, ways to build better community. Some of these may be challenges for some of you. Uh, some of you may say, oh, that's not that big of a challenge, but I'm still going to cover them. So number one, on the back of your bulletins, there are fill in the blanks on this, and it'll be on, on the screen. Focus on nurturing the important relationships. 
like, man, you keep taking this deeper. I am because I think the sake of community depends on it. So many people complain about the quality of their relationships, but they do, they, they rarely do, they do very little to nurture them. Okay, so the word nurture requires a lot of work sometimes, right? You know, uh, so think of it as a baby, baby, as a toddler, as a child or a teenager. Every single one of those phases require work and effort and nurturing. Now, it's always different. Like, you know, I feel like with Samuel, man, it's hands off. I don't have to, you know, like there are some things I still have to tell him. But it's not like, hey, man, I'm having to I'm having to pick him up. I'm having to change his pamper. I'm having to feed him. I'm having to put him down for a nap. It's a low maintenance nurturing but nonetheless it still requires what nurturing so it doesn't matter what level the relationships are at in your life they always require some degree of nurturing okay sometimes it's high maintenance sometimes it's low maintenance relationships those are not always a bad things because any healthy relationship guess what it requires some type of maintenance now you always remember growing up that way always it was a joke like oh you got your high maintenance woman huh well requires some maintenance You're going to be fooled and deceived and divorced if you don't give it any maintenance, I promise. Requires work. It 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 requires you being intentional to some degree, okay? So if you neglect to invest time, attention, and energy and wonder why your needs aren't being met by the other person, uh, it should be obvious your commitment or connection or community living together with each other may be lacking focus, okay? So focusing on nurturing the important relationships. So... Um, if your relationships are not what you want them to be, try nurturing them, okay? Do something about it. You know, that's the biggest thing. You're like, man, I just never connected with my wife. I feel like we're going uh, five different directions. We never sit down together. I don't know what she's doing. I don't know what I'm doing. Have you tried a date night lately? Man, that'll all bring focus all right back into it. Or somebody that you haven't talked to in a long time, a friend that you feel disconnected with. Maybe you were real close in a relationship or a friendship, and then y'all just kind of got scattered apart, and you know, life gets real, and you go one direction, they're going another direction. You know, to get that relationship back to reconnect, it requires you to be intentional. How many of you sit around waiting for your friend to call you, and the phone works two ways? Man, I'm just waiting, you know, like... Why don't you text me? Why don't they call me? What's up, man? I thought we were homies. I thought we were friends. Stupid phone. It doesn't even work. No, it does if you use it. <laughs> but we, it's, sometimes there's something required of us to nurture those relationships. Okay? Um, you know, don't blame the fireplace if there's no fire because it's your responsibility to add wood to it. Super simple, simple example, but it's very deep. We get so mad at the fireplace. Why are you not making fire? Why are you not doing what you're supposed to? We are required to add the wood to it. It requires you to bring the wood to sustain an adequate flame. For it to work like it is supposed to, it requires something of you. It requires nurturing. So you can't grow in your faith by walking alone. You need love, support, and accountability that comes from Christian community. You can't do it by yourself. So focus on nurturing the important relationships. Number two, choose to restore the broken relationships in your life. I know some of you don't want to do that. Say it one more time. Choose to restore the broken relationships in your life. So relationships go bad sometimes due to to your own fault, but sometimes it's the other person's. Broken relationships are the result of two sinful people hurting each other. We have to understand that. You know, there's ugly in us, and, you know, sometimes we don't respond right, or we get mad, or we respond in an unbiblical way, and, you know, 
It's ultimately sinful and ugly, and we get in a fight, and then there's, there's a splitting, there's a severing, and there's a broken relationship. You know, so we have to understand that the pain of the unresolved conflict is greater than the pain required to restore it. You understand that? Some of us say, well, I don't want to deal with that. Yeah, because you're still saying, I, you're still selfish. You want them to fix it. Why should I, why should they, why should I have to fix it? Who's, the, who, who's really the, the adult here? Who's really the most mature Christian here? Like, because we wait passively. Well, I didn't do anything wrong. They should be the one to come to me. I'm not doing anything till they, till they own up to what they did. Said every nine-year-old ever. And all the adults say, well, I still do that. That's my point. We got to grow from that, guys. We got to make sure that we are dealing with those things, that we choose to restore those broken relationships. So the best gift you can give yourself is to forgive anyone who has wounded you in some way. When you hold a grudge and you won't forgive someone, you poison yourself, not the other person. You know, the only, the only condition that you have the potential to change is your side of it. You're like, what if they don't forgive me? That's not the point. What if they're still mad at me? That's not the point. You can only control the variable that you offer. But it's up to you to do something about it. Choose to forgive. So this is a continual process of doing it even when you don't feel like it. It's turning it over to God and no longer worrying about it. And every time, you know, if it's something hard that you guys are working through, it has to be a choice because initially you might not feel like it, but you choose to forgive. It's a choice. I think then a choice begins to change the way we think, then the way we think begins to change the way we feel, and then the way we feel begins to change like our whole demeanor, and then all of a sudden there is a complete restoration of healing that happens. But it all starts with a choice. So I forgive them, but I still remember what they did. Sorry, suckers. You ever been there? I know what they did, but I'm going to forgive them. I'm not going to trust them. I'm not going to, you know, there's still some barriers up, but I believe that God can fully restore anything if you allow him. But you got to allow him to do that. There's no amount of time that that requires, guys, you know, like, but I know that it's achievable. I've seen it in my own life of things that I've broken, relationships that I have messed up have been completely restored. Now, if we go back down memory lane and I sure to God don't want to, of what I messed up in that relationship, is it still there? Absolutely. But between that action of choosing to forgive and walking that out, it changed everything. So forgiveness is the healthiest habit we can practice as we lean into community and, our, and deepening our faith. So that is the whole reason it's important, guys. As we build community, you have to choose to restore those broken relationships in your life. Number three, know when to walk away. You say, man, I always walk away. Forget them. I know when to walk away knowing when to walk away. So sometimes you must sever your relationships. I, I can validate that. I can vouch for that. There are times, you know, sometimes relationships can be so harmful and toxic uh, that you must simply walk away and maintain a firm boundary. Okay? So let me just pause here for a second. I am not talking about divorcing your spouse on unbiblical terms. You're like, man, I thought I had an out. No, I'm going to make sure you're not hearing what I'm hearing. I told my wife if she don't make my bed and make my breakfast and have my shoes ready when I get up this morning, I'm out. I mean, I'm, that's, that'd be the stupidest divorce ever on that, right? And you're like, are you serious? Hey, I'm sure there's been stupid reasons for people to get divorces. But it all came from selfishness. What I'm not saying is, 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 is a free card to just walk out on that. 
that goes against what God's word expects of us. Okay? All right, you hear me on that. I'm going to keep moving. Sometimes you may, choo- you may choose not to sever the relationship, but then you at least have to redefine it for your own health. Guys, understand that? You got to redefine what it looks like. You know, it may, some, some things may never be the same, but that doesn't mean, you know, that we, don't, that we don't evaluate when we need to walk away. So evaluating your friendships is critical to your spiritual growth and your well-being, okay? Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Serious about that. Who, are you, who do you surround yourself with? You know, is it a community of believers? Is it, is it people that are always going to see God in the picture? Or is it the ones that says, man, you know, I always get super concerned when people are going through something difficult because I don't want them receiving ungodly counsel. If you're, if you're a, around a bunch of, of sinners and don't have a biblical foundation, man, they're going to promote getting a divorce. They're going to promote the easy way out. They're going to say, you know what? He doesn't deserve that. I mean, whatever it is, I mean, it is going to be ungodly counsel. And if you hear that and you listen to that, it will affect what you believe to be true at times. So who you circle yourself around will, will, will cause what you become in the future. I'm going to read this right out of this book because it, it, does, it, it does justice just reading it rather than me trying to jumble around and recommunicate it. It says, sometimes people are in an un- unholy relationship Uh, such as cohabitating outside of marriage, yet they wonder why they're not growing spiritually. Or they continue to hang out with ungodly friends who like to drink and party, but they're afraid to walk away and cultivate new relationships with other believers. They want to belong to their old group, even though they know how the group behaves isn't good for them. The Bible says, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. So how can you know which relationships you should leave behind? It's simple, really. If a relationship hinders your relationship with God, then you need to either redefine it or sever it. That's it. In conclusion, it's simple. If the relationship hinders your relationship with God, then you either need to uh, redefine it or sever it. So know when to walk away. Number four, risk being real. This is one of those ones that we never get to. We don't want to be real. We want to be fake. We don't want to expose the real us. So how do, we, how do we risk being real? Initiate some meaningful relationships in your life. You see that word, initiate? That doesn't mean wait for somebody to come to you. Initiate some meaningful relationships. Say, hey, you know, man, I've been, you know, find people that are in the church. Maybe somebody, so maybe somebody you sit by every Sunday. And you're like, man, I don't even know their name. Hey, fix that today. <laughs> Reach out to them, get their phone number, contact them. Say, hey, you know, like, let me know a little bit about yourself rather than where you sit in the church. You know, initiate that. So there's something that has to be, uh, this is something that has to be pursued. It will very rarely happen on its own. So find people you can trust and share your heart with them. This is a big one. Be vulnerable. How many said no one, right? I want to be vulnerable today. Who's like, walks around like that? No. (laughs) We're trained differently. We don't want to be vulnerable. We want to have it all together. We want to put up our wall of protection and we never want to be that invested in people's lives. But in order to establish great relationships and and risk being real, you have to be vulnerable. So the enemy does not want you forming strong, meaningful relationships that both draw you closer to God and deepens your faith. That's what it does. It's good, healthy, godly relationships are gonna draw you closer to God and increase your faith every single time. The ones that are not good relationships, they're gonna do the complete opposite. And if there are some of those in your life that are influencing you to that degree, you've got to sever them or redefine them. 
That's all I'm going to say about that. Keep moving. So if you get real, then you will get some real friends. If you always stay behind a facade, if you always hide behind a mask and you're never the real you, that's going to be the artificiality of your relationships. But if you're real and you're transparent, say, man, that's what's going on, man. Like, you know, when you have that heart-to-heart encounter with people, when you share your heart, I share my heart, and we have been bonded together, it changes everything. So being real is a risk, but don't worry about others will think. What, what others will think of you, let your, or let your fears prevent you from becoming open and honest. You have worn a mask for far too long, and enough is enough, guys. If you expect to get different results, perhaps you need to try something that you have never done before. We do the exact same thing over and over and over and over, and if, if the results are always the same, you have to change an action to change the result. Change the action, change the result. Like, well, no, man, I've never, this type of community like this, man, freaks me out. But it's God's best for your life, I promise. You will grow, you will thrive, you'll become, you'll be all that God has called you to be. Amen? Looked at this article, I'm gonna close with this. It just says, th- th- these four things of what, how it defines community. Community means availability, means vulnerability, it means a shared life, and it means stability. Now, there's a lot of little things that kind of go in a little bit, but those are so deep and so profound, but I just feel like available. Community, man, you need to be around, you need to be available. Vulnerable, man, that's a big one. Nobody wants to be vulnerable. Shared life, we're sharing life with each other. And then stability. What does stability mean? That means that, man, you know, we can, con- we, can, we can help each other out. When somebody's, you know, you know, we help anchor each other in a secure place. We hold each other together. It's like that wall. Man, we are interlinked, guys. We are connected together. You know, when the wind comes and the storms blow, we hunker down with each other. We hold each other. We hold on to the person to our left and hold to the person to our right, and we add stability. You guys go ahead and stand up with us. We're going to close this morning. Thank you for joining us for the Harvest Time Church podcast. We hope you've been encouraged and empowered. If you'd like more information about our family, please write us at 42 FM 2540 South, Bay City, Texas 77414. Or check us out on the web at harvesttimebaycity.com.